This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You're live with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here with fellow app nerds John Beeler and Graham Williams. We've got an awesome program for you today. Later on in the hour, we will be chatting uh, with folks at J.D. Powers. Uh, They've done a survey about banking satisfaction. How satisfied are you with your banking app? Well, uh, they've got uh, the lowdown on that. You guys satisfied with your banking apps? That's all right. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, every once in a while, I try to go to deposit a check, and it's like, you know, this white counter that was perfect for every other check? Not so good right now. Uh, We had words. Well, we'll uh, find out what uh, everyone else is thinking uh, as well. We'll also be uh, diving into spatial audio. You might have heard uh, terms like uh, Dolby Atmos. Um, This is kind of the latest sound standard. Uh, They're the folks that did, uh, you know, Dolby 5.1 and 7.1 surround sound. There's a whole new level of audio for home theaters and coming to headsets as well. Apple has announced that they're going to be building spatial audio into their current uh, AirPod Pros. We'll find out what it means, and uh, what kind of devices you have to have to actually take advantage of it, and is it worth it? And uh, we will be looking at uh, a few Canadian-made apps uh, as well near the end of the uh, hour. Let's dive into some of the app news this uh, week. Uh, This was uh, kind of interesting. Lululemon, uh, you know, a Vancouver-based company that makes uh, great uh, yoga wear and uh, fitness wear and casual wear, they are buying an exercise hardware startup called Mirror. So this is a, uh, I guess, a smart mirror that uh, allows you to exercise through uh, guided uh, uh, guided uh, tours. Thoughts on this, guys? I mean, I, I love smart fitness tech, and I actually think this is a, a good one. So we saw stuff like this with uh, Microsoft Connect, right? The idea that it would use those extra cameras to sort of take a look at uh, the kinetics of how you were working out and basically let you know, yeah, you've got good form. Um, I used it a couple of times and it was, it was cool. Uh, I always found the idea though, that like working out in front of my TV, a bit of a challenge, you know, I've got a coffee table there and part of the workout was moving the coffee table. Uh, so being able to put this in an area where maybe you might have some more space that's dedicated to working out uh, is a, it's a great idea. And this sort of, I mean, it, it rounds out the idea for Lululemon customers that this isn't just a clothing line. Uh, and I mean, I think some folks have worked there who said you kind of drink the Kool-Aid. It's a bit of an ecosystem. And it's a bit of a lifestyle. So tying this into an app, into their fitness wear, into sort of the, the community that's going to have to go along with this. Right. You know, they're going to gamify this and uh, we're either going to be able to work out together or a lot like Nike Plus will be able to cheer each other on. Uh, this, this is cool. John. I also think it's going to be interesting for uh, the, the, the hardware to be showcased in the Lululemon stores as well. Um, and, and a really good example, because not all gyms are going to have this type of thing and, and uh, being exposed to it that way as opposed to the, the way I've been exposed to Mirror is just their constant barrage of advertising on television. Um, so it, it does seem cool. I just It seems like it might be crazy expensive. I have not seen a single ad for this. Like, so this yeah. was... This was kind of interesting. TV, though. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Yeah, when you say TV, what do you mean by TV? I watch cable. Wait, what, what's cable? Cable? <laughs> I know. It's like diskettes. Huh. Interesting. So $500 million to acquire Mirror. Uh, the displays themselves, again, these are uh, mirrors that uh, you can watch yourself exercise and you can actually stream content on them as well. They're, they're about $1,500 US. So that's coming in at $2,000 Canadian. My question is, do they have 
the client base that would support this. It's Spent, a lot of yoga pants. The, it is a lot of yoga pants. I mean, they are at the premium level, obviously, in uh, yoga and fitness uh, wear. But can they translate that into sales of $2,000 mirrors? And obviously, there's going to be some sort of subscription uh, behind that. And also, on uh, the back end, they are a clothing company. They are not a tech company. Can they pull it off? You know, the way that I look at this is is this. When you take a look at all of the Lululemon stores across the world, um, you now have sort of a, a bit of an economy of scale where you can start to force the cost of this thing down. Um, and they can absorb this to a degree. I mean, clothing is typically can be quite high margin. So they, they've got a bit of a, a padding in there. Um, you know, when you get into the store and, you know, you, you put on a pair of, you know, pants or, or whatever it is, uh, there's a couple of things that they could do. You know, one, they could be able to show you different color options without you having to go and change the, the pants, which is kind of cool. Um, but we could also see, you know, things like, hey, there's a new product in stock. Why don't you virtually try it on at home? And maybe you could order it directly from your, uh, from your mirror. So when you take when you take a look at it, like I think we were mentioning earlier, Peloton, right? This idea of the group-led instruction. Um, they're a clothing company. Sure, they're not a tech company. They've acquired that there. That subscription that 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 ongoing service uh, while it does have overhead is actually also quite high margin as well so as far as a, a self-sustaining business model this one actually makes sense to me but the mirror gram is two thousand dollars <laughs> that said but it's two thousand dollars right now because they're trying to market it you know mirror was trying to market it and basically have this ride on people paying for the hardware now that you've got one big you know angel customer that's saying okay look go make this thing cheaper or we'll absorb the losses because we think that we can make X amount of money on the service, on the clothing. If they were to offer this thing for 500 bucks Canadian, would you be interested? Or, no, I, or what if they did a subscription like 30 bucks a month? And right. That, kind of like how you, you know, used to buy our cell phones, right? Yeah. It's on, it's on a, you know, 40 year contract, but still. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully you'll live longer because you're exercising uh, more. Okay. Let's quickly jump into uh, one more news story here. Elon Musk says Canada is a priority for the Starlink internet project. And, you know, if you've uh, tuned into our shows before, we've talked about this. Elon Musk with SpaceX, they've been launching dozens of satellites and the eventual goal is literally tens of thousands of satellites into low earth orbit to provide internet access to the world, starting off with uh, rural places that don't typically have good internet speed right now. They are targeting Canada, especially rural Canada. And so they've applied for a license to operate with the CRTC. Elon Musk says that uh, it's a big push for them to get uh, Canadians on board with this. I love when Elon flirts with us. It's great. (laughs) It makes me feel so special. I I guess my thing is like, Okay, I I think they'll probably get the the license, but I wonder how much it's going to be. Like, will it be affordable? Well, and this is, again, he understands, right? This comes down to, if you're going to launch something like this, it comes down to perhaps absorbing some of these losses right off the bat. And, you know, if if Canada becomes the poster boy for rural internet access, and suddenly you have uh, people and communities uh, who are in, you know, just that, that, even that, that distance too far from the last mile, 
Uh, my parents are people like this. They're using microwave right now. And anytime it rains, our FaceTime calls just disappear. Um, and they're in between Cambridge and Brantford. It is not, uh, you know, they're not way out in the boondocks. They're, they're just in this area where Rogers, Bell, TELUS, despite being given so much of our Canadian money, haven't actually been able to get that infrastructure there. So I say uh, Elon's going to do this and it's going to be, if it's more than 80 bucks a month, I'd be surprised. Well, you know what? I, I mean, internet prices are up there now. Remember in the old days, we used to pay like $9 or $15 a month for dial-up? Well, uh, now you're paying over $100 to you know get fiber into your home. So, I mean, yeah, the, the price points that he'll be able to play with are, are up there. So it might be sustainable. And, uh, you know, and I think it's a good thing for rural areas to, to get high-speed uh, internet access. Okay, we're going to have to take a break here on the app show. We still got a lot of great things to talk about on today's program. Coming up, we'll be finding out uh, Canadian satisfaction with their banking apps and uh, online banking. You'll be surprised at some of these uh, results. We'll also be chatting uh, with John more about uh, his journey with uh, installing some of the the latest beta software on his Apple devices. And uh, we're going to do a segment on explaining what spatial audio is. If you haven't really uh, dived into this yet, it's an amazing technology and we'll explain what you need to have to make it all happen. This is uh, Mike Agarbo here on uh, The App Show with John and Graham. We'll be back after this. You are back with the program. Well, with the COVID-19 pandemic, we've had to change many of the ways uh, we do things. Uh, Obviously, a lot of things uh, are being done online, including online shopping and, of course, uh, banking and uh, using credit card uh, apps. Well, to understand Canadian satisfaction from banks and credit cards, uh, mobile apps, and websites. We've got a great guest on the line. Her name is Jennifer White. She's the Senior Consultant for Banking and Payment Intelligence at J.D. Power. Thanks uh, for joining us today, Jennifer. Thank you, Mike. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, this is interesting. Uh, You know, a lot of people obviously do use uh, online uh, banking and and credit card apps, but, you know, there was a large percentage of people that uh, didn't either. I think uh, even more in the uh, the elderly population. And I think uh, many of them have been uh, getting into uh, that, which I think is uh, a good thing. Uh, tell us about uh, the the banking satisfa- uh, satisfaction survey that uh, you guys uh, have done. And how often do you do these things? So J.D. Power hosts an annual survey of consumers um, th- on their mobile app and their online banking satisfaction We conduct that survey annually, typically in the spring. Uh, It fielded this particular year from March 5th through April 1st. Uh, So right in the middle of COVID, um, but we're happy to report that we saw some great response rates to the survey and active participation just with everyone being homebound. So, I guess obviously a lot more people are are using uh, them. So what were some of the uh, the findings uh, of uh, the 2020 survey? Well, I think the key finding is that we're learning that consumers expect they have the most common functions for banking, being able to check a balance, you know, understanding their finances right at their fingertips. And they're starting to expect to have that experience across every channel. So whether or not they're on a mobile app or whether they're online, they want to be able to get to the same information quickly and in a seamless fashion. We often say things like they're expecting the Netflix of banking when they can start, start an activity online, perhaps on a mobile app at lunch, set it aside, and at dinner time, be able to pick it up online. So customers are expecting to be able to have a seamless transition in working with their banking, uh, mobile and online offerings. And are they generally satisfied with, with it? They are. Um, what we're seeing is that the investments that banking 
institutions have made in recent years as part of their digital transformation are really starting to pay off. Banking in many ways was one of the industries when everyone became homebound uh, that it was easy for many customers to transition from an in-branch experience to be able to do what they needed to do online or via their mobile app. Uh, So satisfaction is quite high. Um, And we've learned that that satisfaction is driven by four key things. You know, easy navigation, clear and seamless visual appeal, um, good content that not only offers quick status updates, but also provides some proactive advice. And then finally, does it all at a quick pace. The speed of loading pages, that's pretty critical as well. Do you find they prefer mobile banking apps or websites in general? We don't really have data that asks preference quite that directly. Um, We do have usage statistics that show that there is variances, often by age groups. And so it's probably not surprising that younger customers tend to gravitate more towards mobile app uses, where older customers may tend to go online more frequently. What we do know from some data that we fielded in addition to our satisfaction study, we fielded some data in April, uh, more specifically related to a COVID pulse type of information. And what we learned from that point is that roughly 41% of customers, regardless of age, um, are interested in continuing to use mobile apps more often uh, in the future. Did you do any... uh any ranking of, uh, you know, the popular Canadian banking institutions uh, out there? We do. J.D. Power, when we release our annual satisfaction studies, does rank uh, the banks in Canada. Um, so for banking applica- mobile apps, um, CIBC ranked highest. Um, and then for banking online experience, Scotiabank ranked highest. And when we think about credit card usage, for both app and online experiences, Tangerine Bank ranked highest in 2020. That's interesting. Tangerine Bank, uh, obviously not one of the big five, but uh, you know they've obviously made a big play into the whole online uh, side. So obviously they, they have to have a good experience with their, their apps and, uh, and, and website. Yes. I, customers indicated that they found their visual appeal quite um, pleasing. Um, they heralded content and they also found their navigation easy to use. How do you think banks will adjust their approach to mobile uh, and and web banking as a result of uh, COVID-19? I think ahead of the pandemic, a lot of banks were asking themselves how they could attract more users to do more functions online or via mobile app. Now there's a bit of a captive population. So I think ensuring that those users are adequately trained, understand the features and benefits that are at their fingertips, And making sure that the experience when, as I mentioned early on, a consumer moves from one channel to another is seamless. Those are all key priorities for banks moving forward. So I I find this study interesting, but I have to ask the question, do do people care? Like you kind of are with your bank uh, since you're a kid in many cases and you just keep going with them and you just kind of take what they give you, you know, their their mobile app and, and their website. Do you find people switch because they hear someone else's banking app is better? I don't know that they switch necessarily because they hear that their banking app is better, but they switch when the brand has a challenge, um, when their trust is shaken. We know that one of the one of the drivers of switching is when personal security becomes an issue. Um, there's a multitude of reasons why people may drive uh, or may decide to change a bank. Uh, it's often due to convenience. 
so I don't know that it's necessarily because one mobile app is better than another, but it certainly doesn't hurt when someone who actively likes to engage via that channel uh, has the things that they need at their fingertips. Convenience is paramount. And, you know, talking about that convenience, if they were doing their homework into picking a new bank, do you feel that uh, the bank's mobile app and, and web offering are is in the top three of their decision-making process? Um, I don't know that I'd say it's in the top three because I think we know that referrals uh, from family members tends to be a key driver. Um, but what, what makes those referrals happen is when a family member feels that the bank has met their needs. And so we know that in order to be to meet, be you know an exceptional bank, you have to have great in branch experiences. Um, now that might be set aside here while we're in the pandemic, right? But you have to have great in branch experiences. You have to have the ability to access data twenty four seven about your banking processes via mobile app or online, and you need to have an excellent call center uh, available to help people in the event that those other channels can't meet their needs. And the combination of all of those is what leads to referrals. We are talking with Jennifer White. She is a senior consultant for banking and payment intelligence over at JD Power. Jennifer, if people wanted to find out more information about uh, your study, where can they go? Uh, JDPower.com. They can also reach out um, via email uh, to myself, uh, and we can make that information available. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure having the conversation. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, more Tech to Talk. Stay tuned. We're back with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here with fellow app nerds, John and Graham. John, uh, we're going to dive into your ongoing uh, fun time with uh, installing uh, beta or test software. Apple announced a bunch of uh, new updates, and you have already installed them. Test versions. Uh, so let's talk about uh, iOS, you know, for the iPhone. Uh, one of the cool features you were telling about uh, was that your iPhone will be able to hear other alarms and noises and give you an alert. Give, give some examples here, because I thought this was kind of interesting. Yeah, this is a, a feature that's sort of buried in the accessibility section uh, of your phone, and it's called sound recognition. And Basically, it allows you to uh, get alerts on very specific sounds that your phone can always be listening for. Um, Typically, what people would be using this for would be, you know, uh, give give me an alert that the smoke alarm is going off if I'm if if I've got some uh, visual or audio uh, uh, accessibility issues. uh, Your phone can give you. those alerts to uh, alert you that, you know, the fire alarm is going off, smoke alarm is going off, uh, a siren is going off. Um, But there's a whole bunch of other things too that you can get alerts for, um, which I thought was really interesting. And I haven't seen this in any other sort of accessibility tools, Uh, being able to be alerted when your cat or dog is making a sound uh, and it can actually pick up those, the nuances between those types of animals. Um, even appliances, it can, it can listen for appliance sounds, car horns, doorbells, door knocks, uh, water running, um, babies crying, and even just shouting. So uh, depending on where you live, I know Grant, where Graham lives, he probably hears all those sounds all the time <laughs> coming from, from the downtown east side. But um, it's, uh, it's kind of an interesting uh, set of user, uh, accessibility features, I think, that uh, Apple's really baked in. And that really seems to be kind of the thing that they've done with this, um, uh, this update is they've really sort of bolstered some of these uh, accessibility features and really taken advantage of uh, all the, the 
sensors and microphones and everything like that that your device has. Um, and these are all optional. You can turn them off so you won't get notifications about uh, dogs if you don't want it. Or if you get it constantly because your dog's always barking, you can turn it off. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it the, the description that they have is your phone is will continuously listen for certain sounds and using on-device intelligence will notify you when sounds may be recognized. Sound recognition should not be relied upon on circumstances where you may be harmed or injured in high risk or emergency situations or for navigation. <laughs> so basically it's just a, you know, Hey, something's happening. You should probably investigate, not, not meant to be like a replacement for, you know, a smoke alarm or something like that. Um, but it's still a really cool feature. And it's just one of many of the new features that, uh, that, that people are slowly trying to starting to uncover in these betas as uh, as we have time with them. Have you tried it yet? Like how sensitive is this? Um, I just turned it on and it hasn't triggered yet. Um, but again, I don't know what kinds of cat sounds, for example, because I don't have a dog. <laughs> I have a cat, um, but it's uh, I've turned it on and my cat doesn't make a lot of noise other than maybe snoring. Yeah. Um, so we'll see if that gets triggered. But I, I suspect it's probably more like meows and, and that type of thing um, would, would be interesting, though, is uh, the appliance sounds like, you know, is it able to detect the difference between like a washing machine dishwasher, those kinds of things uh, being on. Um, some some of these devices that you would put on, but there would be no um, visual cue that they're actually on, other than maybe a, an LED light or something like that. Um, I think that would be good for for the accessibility folks uh, to, to be notified that, you know, hey, your dishwasher is actually on, don't open it kind of thing. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's been an interesting experience. Uh, and surprisingly relatively bug free uh so far uh i haven't really encountered the same kinds of problems i've encountered with previous uh beta installs where some apps just don't work um or partially don't work um everything's pretty much worked as as you would expect and it's actually been quite a quite a good experience any other features uh with the the new apple software and again this won't be fully available till the fall for uh us regular folk uh here uh, any other features that kind of stand out for you that you thought were useful? Um, the one thing that I that I didn't expect to like as much as I do is the 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 custom widgets on the home screen. They actually rotate through. Uh, a, a, you get to choose kind of what uh, the the a, you, you choose the size of the widget. Uh, so I've got a full width widget that has uh, a number of different options. It'll it'll show me the weather. It'll show me featured photos. And it'll also cycle through a couple of different categories of news from Apple News. Um, and it's pretty great because every time I look at my phone, I'm now being presented a featured photo. It's almost like uh, like on Facebook when you get those memories. It's it's kind of a nice thing. And it, it pulls from your sort of your favorites or your most interacted with photos, it seems. And it's been a nice surprise just to see some of the photos that have come up and it's triggered you know memories and I'd send a message to somebody screenshotting it to saying, Hey, look what just popped up. It's kind of cool. And uh, so that that's been a nice feature, but even the news has been nice because I've actually got a, like a technology category that pops up and cycles through as well as the sort of the top news and just having that sort of passively there, I don't have to swipe or do anything to, to see it is great. And it sort of auto rotates like a little banner ad almost, but it's, it's pretty cool. John's talking about some of the new features in the latest uh, Apple iOS update coming in the fall. He's uh, downloaded it onto his phone now, a beta or test version. So we'll be following up with you, John, in the weeks to come to look at some of the other cool features uh, that we'll, uh, we'll all be able to try out in uh, a couple months here. Okay, we're going to have to take a break. When we come back, uh, Graham's going to tell us about some really cool Canadian-made apps. 
listening to the App Show here in the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with the App Show. Mike here with uh, fellow app nerds, John and Graham. Want to talk spatial audio now. Uh, I know probably not a lot of listeners uh, know what that is. You might have heard of surround sound uh, when it comes to stereos and home theater set- setups like uh, Dolby 5.1 or 7.1 surround sound. Well, over the past few years, uh, you know, there's a new technology, uh, spatial audio, that's kind of taking that to the next level. There's uh, something called Atmos that's uh, supposed to immerse you kind of like, I guess, in a, uh, an audio atmosphere when you are uh, listening, uh, you know, to audio like music or video through home theater setups. Well, Apple has uh, recently announced at their developers conference uh, last week that their latest uh, AirPod Pros, uh, these are uh, little earbuds, uh, they go for a few hundred dollars, will support spatial audio. To help us understand what that all means, we've uh, got one of our Get Connected uh, contributors. His name is Ged Smith. Thanks for joining us today, Ged. It's nice to be here. Okay, so spatial audio in a nutshell and in simple terms how does it work and and what does the the listener i guess experience when they're they're hearing this music or uh you know in a home theater environment well i mean you kind of touched on it a bit earlier you know it used to be that surround sound had to be like a 5.1 or a 7.1 like they came out of a specific channel and a specific speaker obviously technology's come a long way and they're they're now able to find points of sound and points of music and points of noise within within even just a couple of speakers. So there's like this big crazy algorithm and program, which really nobody can understand, but it allows companies uh, who invest into this to take a couple speakers and create a 3D immersive experience. That's why if you notice, if you've looked at the back of a movie lately, it used to say, you know, Dolby 5.1 or 7.1. Now it just says Atmos. It doesn't matter how many speakers you have, whether it's, you know, these little ear pieces in our heads now, or whether it's a full surround sound, uh, technology can take that and create a 3D height immersive experience. It's kind of awesome. Ged, I've, I've installed like seven speakers <laughs> in my family room. Are they useless now? Is that what yeah. you're saying? No, no, they're definitely not at all useless. Um, having, if you have seven now and you have the ability to put some stuff up above, that will definitely help because movies that have Atmos, you can still depict in a normal surround sound environment. Because my wife will be excited when I tell her I need to put some more speakers in the ceiling of the family room. (laughs) That's not going to happen anytime soon. Uh, But how much different is it in your opinion? You're a big home theater uh, buff. Uh, How, how much does it add to the experience? Uh, It adds tremendously. You know, when I first heard that Apple was going to get into spatial audio, the, the nerdy purist in me was almost mad. Like, how can you do that? Height enabled audio should be holes in your ceiling and 17 million speakers and amplifiers and all this crazy stuff. And, and really this is just the natural progression. You know, we started with big home theater and then they got into sound bars, which are done brilliantly well. Obviously Sonos has a, a piece, the arc that came out, which is amazing. And Vizio has got a great piece coming out. And now it's getting even smaller. And what this is doing is allowing, you know, people that aren't going to go out and spend two, three, four thousand dollars on these home theater setups or people that might be a little bit younger and still working or still living at home uh, to be able to put headphones on. And really, it does take it to the next level. So if you're a gamer, for example, and you throw in headsets and you're playing a game that's very open world, whether it's a I'm going to use a terrible example here, Call of Duty or a Destiny. Uh, you'll be able to pick out 
where things are happening around you. And uh, Apple's doing a great job with that and taking it to the next level, which is kind of cool. Will you need special headphones and, and headsets to do this? I mean, there's one aspect to, you know, the, the software or whatever uh, thing you're playing has to support it, but like the headsets and speakers, do they have to support it? Yes. Uh, so the the iOS update will probably happen in the fall, if I'm not mistaken. So right now, AirPod Pros, as they sit, do not have this ability. You're going to have to wait for that update. There are a number of companies, though, starting to make these these spatial audio or Atmos enabled headsets. And I mean, they, they actually do a brilliant job. And uh, so do we have a sense then for Apple then? Is this being supported in the AirPod Pros to begin with? Yes. So it'll be supported. So the AirPod Pro update will allow you 5.1 and 7.1 uh, depiction of a surround sound, as well as it will support uh, the normal Atmos track. Uh, they do have their own spatial audio, which I think will come in handy for your iTunes library and the movies you have currently in your video library. Oh, I, I was just going to say that the one thing that um, is kind of, kind of stands out about uh, the AirPod Pros is the fact that they're using uh, the motion sensors in them. So the, the idea say, here, so, yeah. The, the idea here is that um, as you turn your head, um, the audio stays in front of you. And so this is a, this is a fascinating piece. And this kind of sort of speaks to the, the software behind Atmos as well. Uh, you know, Mikey, we're talking about putting speakers in your ceiling. Um, I've got a 22-foot ceiling that's made of solid concrete. That can't happen. Um, so the algorithm actually uses things like direct reflection. So this is sort of the, the cool advancement that we're seeing here uh, with this stuff is it's using software in combination with things like microphones and sensors to be able to exchange the idea of putting speakers in places and actually having the speakers replicate that sound instead. I was going to say the cool thing about the, uh, the the Apple piece is if you're watching a movie, for example, on your laptop or your iPad, and you turn your head, the front soundstage will actually stay where the iPad is, which is wild that they're incorporating the gyroscopes to that degree where if you're watching something and someone talks and you turn your head, the voices will actually be coming out of that ear. It's, it's kind of crazy. So the one thing I'm concerned about uh, when any of these uh, new sound standards come out is it just one standard? Is it just Atmos, for example? Uh, is there any competing ones, you know, like VHS beta? Uh, yeah, so there is a company called DTS, which always seems to hit the market a year, two years after Dolby does. Uh, Dolby's always kind of that pioneer that jumps in and then DTS kind of shows up and does it a little bit differently. There is also a third competitor called Oro, uh, A-U-R-O, but you don't, you don't see a lot out of them. They're a very, very, very niche brand. It is interesting, however, that you probably won't see a DTS product anywhere in the Apple ecosystem. We're talking with Ged Smith, one of our Get Connected contributors. He specializes in audio home theater. If you want to learn more about uh, spatial audio, and you know, it's a pretty big topic, visit our website. We've got some reviews happening uh, up there. Getconnectedmedia.com is the place to go. Ged, thanks for joining us today. Thanks a lot. Well, we come back from the break. Still more uh, apps to talk about here on the App Show. Stay tuned. You are back with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here with John and Graham. Let's talk about some Canadian-made apps. Uh, there are many talented uh, app developers here in Canada and companies that are really making some innovative and cool apps for uh, iPhones and Android phones. Graham, we uh, we have a great article up on our website, getconnectedmedia.com. You, uh, you guys have actually covered 
uh, some of these uh, apps if you want to learn more about it. So again, getconnectedmedia.com if you want to check that out. Uh, let's start with some of these, uh, these apps that uh, you thought were pretty cool. Graham, what's the first one? So the first one is Flip, and uh, I've, I've loved this app for a while, but there are actually some really cool new features that are going to be launching within the next month. We're going to be covering those as well, uh, but this is great. We, A long time ago, I decided, you know what, paper flyers are kind of no longer a thing that I want to take out of my mailbox, kind of look at, and then throw away immediately into the recycling box. Uh, so Flip's kind of got the way around that for me. Uh, basically, what it does is it aggregates all of the flyers that are put out by uh, your grocery stores, your electronic stores, your clothing stores, uh, and it turns it into a digital flyer. So this thing is searchable. Uh, you can add things to your wish list. You can put in your loyalty cards. You can find coupons. Uh, it kind of really just sort of streamlines the process of shopping for things. Uh, it's available for iOS and Android, and you can also use uh, their website to shop for this kind of thing as well. And does it really have all of the flyers that you typically expect? I would say, yeah. I mean, most of the places that I want to go, if they were sending me a flyer in the mail, they've kind of, they've signed up with Flip and said, okay, look, we know that there are a ton of people out there that are putting the red dot on their mailbox. They don't want to get this stuff anymore, but they're still looking for this information. And it's taken all of that extra searching that I used to do after I got rid of my paper flyers. It's taken all that, thrown it out the window and put it all in front of me in one place. The thing I like about Flip is that you can search all the flyers, but also it will then aggregate all the online deals as well that wouldn't necessarily be a flyer. Love it. Okay, let's do another app. Uh, Graham, what do you got? Uh, I've got one password. So I've been a big fan of these guys for a very long time, developed by Agile Bits in Toronto. Um, let's face it, if you're listening to this, you probably have bad password security somewhere. And so this is the solution for you. Uh, it's a password keeper. It works for uh, Mac OS, iOS, Android, and Windows. It has plugins for all of your major browsers. And basically what it does, it gives you a master password, so something long that you remember, and it creates these super strong passwords that are unique to individual sites. So that thing where you know you got hacked on site X that you logged into once, you know, 10 years ago, and it's now got your banking password, that doesn't happen anymore. So this is actually available for you, or you can get a family pack, or if you've got a business, you can actually use this to control passwords inside your business as well. And sorry, again, the name of the app? One password. And a Canadian app at that. Okay, that's all the time we have left. Don't forget to hit our website to enter our weekly contests at getconnectedmedia.com. We've also got our audio and video podcasts up there for the App Show and the Get Connected Show. And lots of great articles and blogs and videos to help you in your tech life. I want to thank Graham and John, uh, my co-hosts, and also Christina, our producer, and the rest of the gang back at the ranch. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.